part. So hello, beautiful people. I hope everyone is having a great day, week or weekend. My name is Giovanna Carrion. I'm from 11th grade. I'm going to be the host today. And I'm here with Mariana from 10th grade, who is the co-host of today's episode. Today is the first official Wolves podcast where we invited Mr. Leo, high school counselor, to talk about interesting and essential information about college matters that we have to worry about in high school, including topics of universities, applications, and etc. So thank you so much, Mr. Leo, for being here to talk about such important topics for us students. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Um, hope that this conversation can be of help to everyone in high school. For sure. So we gathered some of um, what we thought were the most frequent questions made by students regarding our doubts. So I will start with the question. What are the general aspects that someone that wants to study abroad or is uncertain should be taking a lot or working on since freshman year? Right. So I think the most important thing that you should be very worried starting from freshman year is not even considering which major you will be you'll be doing, but um, it is very important for you to know the whole process and what are the key aspects of the application. So one good tip that I always share and I will share with the freshmen when, when the time comes is to start doing extracurricular activities because unlike in the Brazilian process, in the Brazilian application system, um, the American and the European application process, they are holistic. So while you have to study a lot for the vestibular in Brazil, in other countries, they will look not only into your grades, but they will look at your personal profile as well. So they want to know what you do outside of class time. So do not leave the extracurricular work for your last year. Start early and you'll have plenty of options to demonstrate to the schools. That makes total sense. And that's a really important thing because this is something we have to put in our curriculum when we apply to universities and i know the universities they see something is they see at something really good as much as extracurricular activities we have for sure thank you mr Lau, for the first answer so when is the right time to start taking a deeper look into university courses majors etc all right great question so Usually, uh, I start working with students in the beginning of their senior year for the um, major list and university list. But for those of you, and I've, I've had uh, plenty of meetings with um, sophomores and juniors uh, in, the, in the last few months, um, for those of you who are already interested in um, getting to know a little bit about majors, getting to know a little bit about the schools that are offered, um, it would be a good time for you to start looking at these on your junior year. No pressure though, because um, your options change. I've seen students uh, applying to, wanting to apply to communications, to marketing, but uh, on their last three months of uh, before their applications, they changed their majors to engineering. So these kind of things do, do happen, uh, do happens. We, 
there are some people that even apply undecided. So it is good for you to have some notion of what would you like to, to work with, what would you like to be studying, but it's not an obligation if you're applying to North American institutions, first of all, if you don't have the exact major that you would like to study. Um, in European institutions, they are flexible, but not as flexible as American institutions. So it is ideal for you to know which type of major you would be studying. Um, but regarding universities, you, I mean, students already start looking at this in their freshman year. Everyone has the dream of going to Harvard. Everyone wants to go to Oxford, to University of Melbourne in, in Australia. But at the end of the day, you will be applying to so many options. And um, there isn't a strict date that you should start looking. But it is always good to know six months prior to your application, a few schools that you are decided to be applying. So the answer will be always depends, but we work uh, accordingly to what the student really needs at the time. I hope that this answered your question. Yes, it did answer. Thank you so much. It was very helpful because as a sophomore, I'm like very anxious about application and I don't know anything about what course I wanted to take. So I think that's that was very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I think this is really helpful for everyone because I believe we students are so anxious about this time of our lives that we want to already start looking at our universities, but it's really nice to know that we have time and that we have you, Mr. Leo, to guide us. And the next question is, when is the right time to start thinking about the application process itself? Okay, so the applications every year for both North American and Europe, European institutions, um, they are refreshed. When I say refreshed, it means that they start the application process officially in August, in the beginning of the semester. So when I say refresh, it means that the questions might change. So the essays, um, the number of recommendations, maybe even the um, standardized test options. I'll give you an example. In 2019, SATs were usually required by most schools. Now, due to the pandemic, a lot of schools have decided that SATs and other um, standardized tests are optional. So we always know these um, specific details in August, in the beginning of the application cycle. So if when as soon as you start your senior year, the moment that we prepare, we, we put our work into paper and we start to, uh, to prepare the uh, official essays, the official letters of recommendation. Um, and you can start your application on the school's website or in a tool called Common App, <laughs> which you, you will be working a lot with me throughout the semester. So officially you can start in August. But we do sometimes prepare some pre-written essays. One very popular uh, essay type that we have to write to the schools is the why are you, why did you choose this university to apply? So this is a type of essay that we can already start writing prior to the application cycle and you can use it and adapt it uh, for the application, for the real application. But other than that, you can also take the standardized test because they have a, a date 
you have a five-year date to use the standardized test. So for example, if you're in your eighth grade and you're already excited about applying to the US, you can try doing the SAT. You probably won't be prepared, but you can try doing it because they have a, uh, uh, the, the, the date of the test takes five years to, to expire, right? Same thing for TOEFL and IELTS, which are English proficiency exams. Usually, since you guys are, are students from, from high school, we all um, lecture in English, you talk in English during classes. So since we are an accredited high school, schools usually accept our certificate as an English level proficiency exam. But some other schools do not. So they will ask you to take some kind of proficiency exam. And these proficiency exams expires in two years. So we usually recommend students to prepare themselves to take it during their senior year, or if they already have confidence on their English level, they can take it on their uh, junior year to prepare for the application. So these are two elements of your application which you can prepare prior to the start in August of your senior year. And one last thing, um, we were talking about uh, getting ready to the application and I talked to you guys about the extracurricular activities. One very important thing is to have good rapport with your teachers because you will be requesting um, letters of recommendation. So it is not easy to ask a teacher that you don't know too well or you don't have a relation in, um, relationship in your senior year. So it's best for you to start talking to them, um, get to know them, see which teacher will be, will you, you will be most comfortable asking for them to write about your personal life and your academic life. You can do this in your sophomore year, you can start thinking about it in your freshman year, and you can talk to them in your junior year, preparing, say, hey, Mr. Lau, uh, I'm applying to the, to the U.S. universities, to European universities, um, at the end of 2022, uh, can you think about writing a letter of recommendation? Prepare your teachers, don't ask them one week prior to your application, this is always helpful. It's really helpful to know that, especially me as a junior, that I'm preparing myself for that. So thank you so much for all the information. Of course. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Leo. Um, the next question is, what's a tip that you would give to a rising senior that is about to start college applications? All right, the first tip is a little bit what, what I talked in your first question, on Giovanna's first question. Don't stress out too much when lo looking at universities. Uh, so I'll give you guys an example. We have more than 4,000 universities just in the United States, not considering Canada, not considering European countries, not considering Asian, Australian countries and Oceania countries. So there are a lot of options. There are a lot of, a lot of majors and don't stress too much. You will have plenty of time to decide. You will have a lot of tools here in, in, um, in the school. The teachers will, will help with their experiences. We have a lot of um, personnel. We have a lot of collaborators that have lived abroad, that have studied abroad. So we all can talk to you. We all can help you. Um, and especially me, that's my main function, uh, to help you, to assist you decide what are you going to be doing and decide and help you plan ahead for your application. So first of all, try not to freak out. <laughs> uh, I know it's hard, especially considering you guys are beginning the end of your academic uh, high school career, but um, it's just another step in your life. 
and uh, you will have support to to start it, to continue it, and to finish it. So, first thing that I would like to tell students is don't worry too much. You always you obviously have to worry because this is a major deciding factor in your in your professional career. But hey, uh, it is not the end of the world if you don't know what are you gonna do. You can change professions after you graduate, <laughs> especially considering we have a lot of certificate courses, which we call pós-graduações in Brazil. We can we can try to deviate a little bit from your profession in case you did not enjoy what you did during high school, during I mean during college. So don't think too far ahead. It's always good to have a good plan, but don't 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 worry about thinking too far ahead. Uh, and one key aspect of life itself is to plan. You have to plan. If you know what you're trying to do, you will get near it. You will, you will at least reach somewhere. If you're doing without planning, you probably have a problem. So I, I go a little bit against um, that famous that famous Brazilian song, Deixa a Vida Me Levar. I wouldn't go that far. I would plan ahead, but I wouldn't worry too much about the results because the results come with planning, with good planning. And I'm your planner. I will help you guys, at least in short term during your senior year. Totally. I think it's a balance that we have to find because we students pressure ourselves so much. And there are also the students that just seem like they're not caring. And in the end, when it comes to the time we have to apply and actually worry, they just like freak out. So connecting with what you said, totally. Connecting with what you said, if, for example, I don't know where I want to go or what I want to study. Is there anything I can do during high school to prepare myself for both options? Yes. Um, well, I'll give you guys a little spoiler. Uh, next week, we will have a career week here at school. So you will always you will always be invited to watch a few seminars on on careers. So this is one thing. The school has a lot of a lot of um, communities for you guys to explore. Uh, I will be doing in your senior year, actually not just for the seniors, but to all to all high school, uh, a few lectures on careers in Brazil and above Brazil as well. And we have many tools in the internet that I that I usually show students that are very that are very confused when dealing with career choices. Regarding uh, university options, same thing. I use a lot of tools from the internet to play where can you find the options, how can you find the options, and if these options are viable both academically and financially, because this is something that we always have to be um, aware because you're not going to be uh, affording, uh, paying the, the schools in reais. So not just the student, but the family needs to be aware of what, uh, what type of schools that you'll be applying how expensive are they if they have any type of financial aid and scholarships that they can they can be supported with so we will be prepared i'd say by the end of the uh, by the middle of your senior year which is in your application cycle you will have all the tools and all information necessary to make the best decision possible that's really interesting i'm really i'm really looking forward to see this workshop that you're preparing 
Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be very helpful. Um, so moving on, the next question is, how can I do things that will enrich my curriculum during the online environment? That is a great question, especially our, our situation right now. So it's uh, one of the biggest obstacles that students have been um, dealing with is the, the online obstacle, especially considering you guys have to show up for extracurricular activities. So the good thing is that we are in the digital era. So there are a lot of options. There are plenty of, um, of activities that you guys can do. Um, I know that a few of your colleagues have been doing online translations. Uh, a few other colleagues have been doing English classes, English lessons to, to people who want to learn this, of course, being voluntary, being free of charge, you don't earn money with it. So it's not a job, it's actually an activity that you, you're doing to help others. Uh, be creative. Sometimes you have like a, a passionate project that you can demonstrate, that you can teach, that you can collaborate with other people and you can do it online as if you were doing in person. Um, so these are points that I, I really want to emphasize. You don't need to do something completely uh, crazy. You don't need to impress. You don't need to try to impress people. If you're doing something you enjoy, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, the way that you talk about it, the way that you display it, will be enough to schools see the value and how important it is, not just to you, but to people that you actually inspire. So I like to to give this example. It's not. It's not the best example, but I really like to, to demonstrate when we're talking about extracurricular activities, you don't have to do it just for the sake of it. You have to do it because you actually like it. So let's suppose I don't like dogs. Why would I, why would I actually try to go to a kennel to help the kennel, to assist the, 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 the animals over there? I prefer, I prefer dealing with the elderly. I prefer, why wouldn't I go to a home and help the elderly? tell stories, um, uh, talk with them, you know. So this is something that a lot of people have been doing. They have been getting into contact with um, institutions and trying to give them support online. Maybe uh, here in Vinhedo, there are a few options as well with NGOs that uh, have been doing online, online work with volunteers as well. Um, but Taking, taking into account that we cannot, especially considering the pandemic situation, we cannot risk ourselves as well, right? So if you live with elderly, you wouldn't go outside. So you do, you will definitely try to look for work online. I did send in the beginning of this year a link, and this I will always do this to try to help students that are having trouble with um, online activities. Uh, I did send a link with with international opportunities for students that would like to have voluntary experience. So if any anyone who's hearing this is really looking for activities, be, um, be in touch with me because I will definitely help you out uh, looking for these um, possibilities. Thank you so much. Um, guys, I know something uh, Mr. Lau has, has helped me a lot, especially during the beginning of this year so these are some really options really nice options that he gave and i can say by my experience that i've been doing such things 
and it's really nice, it's really helpful for our curriculum. So the and not just the curriculum, right? You, it's something that you do for your so it, it's a plus plus. It's a win-win situation. You sure. will you will get a lot of um, experience and you will help your, your loved ones, your, your community and such. Totally, that's really important. So the next question is, what are some examples of what I need to have to obtain scholarships? Okay, so um, when we talk about scholarships, there are a few types of financial assistance that you can, um, you can get from universities. There are actually, I like, to, I like to separate them in four. They have the financial aid, which is necessity, financial necessity. There is the merit scholarship. There are the individual ability scholarships and the cultural scholarships. So let's start with the, the less common one, which, which are cultural scholarships. There are some schools that will offer you um, assistance, financial aid, based on your on your um, race, based on your religion. So there are schools that if you are Jewish, if you are, and if you are accepted, you automatically can get a scholarship because of that. There are schools in Florida that they have an agreement with uh, with our uh, with our institution Rio Branco here in Brazil that they can offer you a discount because you are Latino, you are Brazilian Latino. So there are a few um, specific cultural fine, uh, scholarships that will be able to help students that fit, fit the, 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 the profile, okay? When we talk about individual ability scholarships, these are the athletic scholarships, these are the art scholarships, scholarships in which you have to provide information, provide proficiency on your uh, talents. So if you are applying to an art school, they will look at your portfolio. They will want to, if you are accepted and if you are very good, if you are very good at what you do, they can offer you a scholarship based on that. So that will, will be, it's kind of a merit scholarship, but they take into account mostly your um, your skill, your, your, your art or your, your athleticism. Okay. And when we talk about both financial aid, which is the necessity scholarship, financial needs scholarship, and the merit scholarship, we have to put them together because the, the necessity scholarship, it is actually a blend with merit. You won't be able to get the scholarship unless you, you have the merit. And when we say merit scholarship, what is it? It means that they will look at your whole application and if you are a good student, if you have good uh, extracurricular activities, if you have good recommendations, if you have good essays and good grades, hey, you might be offered the merit scholarship. And I mean, if we are to look at last year's, like so your current senior year application cycle, out of the almost 40 acceptances we had, we actually had 23 merit scholarship offered. There wasn't any cultural scholarship. There wasn't any individual ability scholarship. All of these were by merit because here at Santana, we prepare our students really well. So usually the most offered type of scholarship is the merit. This is the, 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 the type of scholarship that schools have, most, uh, have more money to offer. And um, it's the safest possibility for 
the profile of the Santana International School student. Priscilla, still talking about scholarships, I actually have a question. So when we apply for a scholarship, do we need to choose one type or can we apply for two types? Okay, so that's a that's a very good question because some schools can give you more than one scholarship. But usually when we talk about merit scholarships, schools that offer merit scholarships, they might be able to do a full tuition scholarship. So you wouldn't, I mean, I'm not saying they give full tuition scholarships to everyone, huh? but um, they can offer you max, uh, max amount of, of, of financial aid. Um, although there are schools, and I'll give you another example. I, I told you guys about the Jewish school that gives cultural scholarships. You may be able to get a cultural scholarship and a merit scholarship in the same school. So that is a possibility. Uh, unless these scholarships overlap the amount of tuition that you have to pay, then this wouldn't be a possibility. And um, going a little bit back to what Giovanna, the, the question of Giovanna, I, um, I just need to reinforce that the merit scholarship, uh, they are looking for well-rounded students. So guys, if you are an excellent student, you got straight A's, you, you went really far on the SATs, but you do not have extracurriculars, you do not have a good report with your teachers, you, you might not even get accepted. So we need to think about being very well-rounded. We have to think about being good applicants as a whole for the, for the application cycle, okay? Totally, it's what I said, right? It's a balance. We can only have a good academic life. We also have to have extracurriculum activities that will also help schools to see our essence like who we are because it's not only about the grades and this is something really that i i found i find really good from um the system outside brazil it's how they want to see you as a student and you as a person not only your grades so yeah for sure um it is actually a big difference because they want to look look at you as a, not just a student but as a as a citizen as how do you contribute how can you contribute to campus they don't want a student just sitting down on class and going back to campus and studying they want you to participate in activities they want you to continue volunteering so it makes sense for them to ask you this because they want to have the same type of student in campus totally they want to know you right so now going a little bit for the the people that want to study in brazil what do you recommend for the students who want to study here aside from preparing for the vestibular all right yeah that's also a good question because maybe you want to apply both brazil and outside and how will you be able to match that all together right so once again i have to um press the same the same key saying that the school has a lot, a lot of, of tools to help you. So students usually have trouble preparing themselves for the, for the vestibular. And uh, here, especially in the international program, I see that students don't use too much the monitor after class. There, there, are, there are teachers that can help students with their preparation. But um, besides preparation for the test themselves, I think students need to come up with a school list just like a student that is applying to outside does 
Why am I I'm saying why am I saying this? Because here in Brazil we have different types of vestibular. So if you're applying to Unicamp and you're applying to USP, these are two different tests with two different um, uh, types of assays with uh, different structures. So we have to take into account that we're going to have to prepare for tests. That is the main objective. But we need to know what are we going for, right? So if you're going to do Unicamp and you only uh, prepared yourself for an A, you're not going to have a good time. So preparation to know which schools you will be actually applying is extremely important. Taking into account as well that schools here in Brazil are starting to use the um, the American and European uh, application type application type, so the holistic approach. We have schools that are not using NA, are not using vestibular, and they're doing interviews. They're asking for letters of recommendation. There are schools that are substituting DNA for the SATs. I'll give you examples: um, INSPE and FGVID. And Puki, if I'm not mistaken, these are schools that if you are uh, applying for international schools, you can use the SAT instead of the NA, for example, AP classes as well. So be bear in mind that it, it would be good for you to have uh, a school list in the middle of the year so that you know what, what, what should be expected of you in your application cycle. So in Brazil, we, I think there's a trend. We're starting to change the, a little bit the way they see the application cycle. And hopefully in short term, you guys will be prepared for this as well. Well, this is really interesting. I don't know about the rest of the students and people listening right now, but I didn't know about that, how Brazilian system is changing. So it's, this is really interesting. And that's really good because we know how it's really stressful to study for a name, for uh, other vestibularities, and it's really stressful. So this is nice, knowing that they are finding new ways to know us as students and to, uh, to prepare us for the university. Yes, I agree. I think it's actually very nice to see this system from Brazil changing. Um, so now changing a little bit the topic, Missila, what do you consider to be an outstanding student as a whole to help you enter in good universities and to be an outstanding student as a whole? Yeah. Okay. So in my opinion, the outstanding student is, is that student that participates in the school's activities and the school's environment itself. So we not necessarily the the student with highest gpa not necessarily the student in on a roll but it's us if if they are in on a roll but the student who you know we see on the corridor helping out we see um participating in the school's clubs which by the way school clubs are not um voluntary work right guys so if you're an nhs or stuku you are this is not voluntary work you're doing actually your your duty here, here in school but i mean if you participate in the many school clubs that we offer if you um help your your peers with with um studying for tests not just sats but also your 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 normal activities here at school um and don't drop the ball when talking about GPA, because this will be very important also for your application. Not extremely, not it's vital, but it's not the end of the world if you don't have the highest GPA. But it all it's always a plus when you when you are in, on a roll, when you are in NHS. But the ideal, the 
the, the best student that I'd like to work with when applying is the person that, you know, they take ownership of their application. They go above and beyond. So they don't need me to tell them, hey, okay, so you're going to start doing this essay here because it says that you're applying to Stanford and Stanford needs this type of essay. If the student um, schedules a, a meeting with me and they already bring me some type of thing to work with, some type of, of, of essay or even the, uh, the activities that they're working on, hey, it's, I, I know that the student will be doing a, a, a solid application and I know that they will be well prepared for the application cycle. And I always see this at the end, with the end results. So yesterday I was doing a report and I was looking at the applications and the, the, and the results from your colleagues. And usually uh, I have a good hunch of who will be very successful and who will be not that successful in an application cycle, even though we try to be always very successful. Um, the student who is very prepared and they go above and beyond on their own application cycle is the ideal student that I would like to see working here at school. Thank you so much, Mr. Lau. That's really helpful to know. Uh, now we as students, we can visualize and try to um, be this model so we can um, enrich our curriculum activity, not only curriculum activities, but our curriculum itself. And yeah, I think that that was the, our last question. And uh, thank you so much, Mr. Lau, for being here, Mari. And this is really important for everyone to, that everyone that is preparing for universities and actually every student, because when, when it comes to our time, it's really nice to know all this information. So thank you very much for being here. And this is the end of our episode. Thank you so much for everyone that is listening. And that's it. Thank you. I'll talk to you, I'll talk to you guys very soon. Thank you so much, Mr. Leo. Thank you, everyone.